Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Perspective by MJ. My name is Mariana and I am the host of the podcast and I am very excited to take you along for what's in store on the podcast today. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys, to another episode of the podcast. If you're new, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back. It is so nice to be behind the mic recording again. I have missed this a lot. I'm so sorry for the little hiatus. It has just been super busy with school once again. I feel like I said that the last time I recorded an episode, but <laughs> it's just, it's always 10 times more hectic than you initially expect life to get. Um, So my apologies. I have been, like every single week I try to block out time to make an episode, but I always want these to be super meaningful. So I always try to take the time to plan them out and really think about what I want to say and find some references and all this stuff to back up what I'm saying. So when I don't, when I can't do that sometimes, it just doesn't feel like I'm going to deliver something meaningful. So I really wanted to make this episode meaningful because I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. And so I thank you for your patience. <laughs> it's been, it's been a while. Hope you're all doing great. I hope you're all enjoying the fall season. If it's nice and beautiful with yellow, orange, red trees, wherever you are. And if you're enjoying sunnier or colder weather, um, hope you're making the most out of it as well. It is super nice here in on Vancouver Island and we've got the beautiful fall season is in full swing right now. And it's just amazing to get to go outside and especially on my campus at the University of Victoria it's just the coolest thing like, I want to be outside all day but it's also really cold <laughs> so hope you're all doing well I hope you're all thriving and that you're excited about what we're going to talk about on the podcast today I hope that uh, today's topic helps you and especially if you're stuck somewhere you're feeling uninspired unencouraged to move forward with whatever you're working towards or to towards working towards a new goal wow I said towards like five times in one sentence. Um, but I hope that today's episode uh, helps you get on your feet and working towards whatever you are aspiring to accomplish. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to take a moment to respectfully acknowledge that I am recording this episode from the unceded traditional land of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, as well as the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich nations, who continue to have a relationship with this ancestral land and as an uninvited settler to this land and as someone who is has the privilege of being here without worrying about losing my status on this land, I look forward to continuing to bring conversation and awareness about this topic to the people who are tuning in. And if you are tuning in and you sit through these territorial acknowledgements, I want to thank you um, because I think that it's really important that we all take a second at least a couple times in our week to express our gratitude for where we are and where we are able to live without fear of potentially being driven out or our land being taken from us. And as such, I think that it's super important that we continue to bring light to this conversation and to keep talking about it and to keep talking with each other about ways to continue bringing change and ensuring an adequate and just lifestyle for, for all people in our community. So today's episode is a topic that I have been brainstorming for the last couple of weeks and something that I've been really wanting to touch upon. And if you followed me on my Instagram handles, whether it's the podcast Instagram at a perspective.bymjpodcast or at Mariana's Perspective, you'll know that I've been kind of touching on a few of the things that I'll be mentioning today in some of my posts. And so 
I wanted to compile a lot of that information and turn it into a podcast episode and as an aside, provide additional ways that you guys can tackle some of these mindset shifts I'm going to be talking about today and how to apply them to your life. And the way my mind works is that I really like to take common topics and figure out how to turn them into more tangible, easily digestible, and I guess more encouraging, more inspiring ways to relay them to people so that they stick with you. So that's just how my brain works. That's just how I found that I get through and how I am able to synthesize things in my brain and apply the things that I learned from books and stuff so that I can constantly remember the words of wisdom that I take in and then so I can remember them down the road when I'm living my day-to-day. So that is kind of the intent behind this episode today. And like I said, I hope that what we talk about today resonates with you and that hopefully it helps you as you move forward on your journey towards whatever you are working towards, whether it's a goal you have in mind, with whether it's fitness related or personal development related or business related, whatever that is, hopefully today's information helps you out in one way or another. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So the first mindset shift that I want to talk about today that I think, <laughs> and based on the data, will help you succeed is that having a gratitude mindset does not mean toxic positivity. So gratitude, gratitude practices, gratitude journaling is something that we hear about a lot in on Instagram, in scientific literature. We've heard about how the data shows that starting off with five things that you are grateful for as soon as you get out of bed or whether you write them down in a journal first thing in the morning or at some point during the day, your endorphin levels go up, you feel happier, you feel more relaxed, you feel more present. There is data to show all of this, right? Like we we, we all know this, right? It's been, it's been taught a lot. But I kind of wanted to look at this from a different angle and provide an initial incentive as to why having a gratitude mindset is so beneficial and how to not confuse it with toxic positivity because this is something that I've feel like I've clashed with with people in the past and I think that it's one of the things that really drives people away from taking on gratitude practice in their in their day because it feels it can feel if you're looking at it, looking at it from the wrong lens it can feel like something that it's not which in this case is toxic positivity. So the difference between a gratitude mindset and a toxically positive mindset is that a gratitude mindset says even in times where it really sucks, whatever just happened to you, whatever you just went through really sucked and it's affecting you on a deep emotional level, a gratitude mindset says although I am uncertain in this moment, I am grateful for what's in store for me in the future and for what this opportunity is meant to teach me. Whereas toxic positivity says, I should be grateful because at least it's not blank or this could be worse. So I should be grateful or why am I not grateful? At least I have X, Y, Z things, right? So you can see how these two mindsets, the difference between them can really set a tone for how you perceive situations because 
whereas having a gratitude mindset allows you to feel in somewhat more control where you're when you're in an uncertain situation which is a complete oxymoron but it allows you to feel a little bit more grounded when you are in situations in which you don't know the outcome of or the outcome just occurred and it Im- negatively impacted you and you're sitting there being like you know why did this happen i didn't deserve this whatever you want to call it right whereas toxic positivity can make us feel like inherently negative ungrateful undeserving people and you can see how the latter the toxic positivity mindset can have more deeply profound effects on our state of being right when you act and think from a place of gratitude with the gratitude mindset you are living in a state of hope and gratitude does not always mean does not necessarily mean that you have to look at everything from with a positive outlook you know i guess i guess in a way it is implied but even when it's important to understand that there are things that are that are going to happen to you that are just going to suck right you're going to fail a test you're going to get rejected when you ask somebody on a date you're not going to get the position that you hope for or the raise that you hope for at your job a million the millions of things that negatively impact us on a day-to-day basis right a gratitude mindset does not say i should just be positive having a gratitude mindset allows you to be open to what the universe god whatever you believe in has in store for you and it allows you to put your faith in yourself that you will come out of whatever just happened to you, right? And having that gratitude mindset and finding the things within a situation to be grateful for. You know, even if you perceive it as a failure, whatever just happened to you, a gratitude mindset says, you know, regardless of the outcome, this taught me this, and as such, I am a better person for it. And I can move forward with the knowledge that I am a better person and a person that has grown from the situation, which, in my opinion, is a lot different than a toxic positivity mindset. So mindset shifting to succeed, number one, have a gratitude mindset versus a toxic positivity mindset and watch your perspective shift. The second mindset shift that you need to help you be more successful is motivation is not a habit. It is transient. And what is a habit is discipline. So I'm excited to talk about this one today because this is a recent idea that I have been pondering upon a lot more. And I feel like I'm super late to the party because this is an opinion that a lot of the people around me seem to already have. And I was kind of like, wait, what? Everybody agrees on this? And everybody's like, uh yeah (laughs) so um it is something that i've kind of become a little bit obsessed about learning about the last couple weeks and as such it really has shifted my perspective i gotta say you know i'm here sharing marina's perspective so i only felt adequate to share this one and to kind of share what it has taught me about how i see goal setting and determination and drive and share a little bit about how I've approached that realm of my life differently since learning about this, but also how it might be able to help you in your future. So 
why is motivation transient? Well, how many of us have set goals in the past and been super excited to get started? We're thinking about how good it's going to feel when we accomplish the journey towards getting towards the goal. And then we get up the next morning, whether you had like planned on going to the gym or getting up earlier or journaling in the morning and your mind just goes, no, please, no. Right? (laughs) It's something that feels really good when you're envisioning how good it's going to feel, but it doesn't feel so good when you know how not so good it's going to feel when you're doing the thing that needs to get you to the end result, right? So motivation is transient because as soon as your mind starts envisioning and predicting the discomfort that it's going to take to go through this growth process, it starts backing away because our minds seek the path of least resistance. You guys have heard me talk about this on the podcast millions of times, but it is just how we are hardwired to be more efficient and to avoid disappointment. You've also heard me talk about this on the podcast a lot. And so if, you've, if you're new here, I'll introduce the idea one more time. So essentially, our minds are hardwired to seek the path of least resistance and as such the path that is most efficient to get to the goal that we want to achieve. And as such, our minds want to stay comfortable. If we even dare introduce change into our routines, our minds are immediately going to scream away from it because they it doesn't want it, right? They don't want to go through the hardship that it takes to make these changes, right? And to introduce a new routine into our lives, whatever the change entails. So when we understand this concept, it is way easier in a given moment to understand, you know, it's not that you're unmotivated, it's that your mind is begging you not to introduce change because it doesn't want to go through the discomfort that it's going to take to change. So if you ever set a goal for yourself and immediately not felt the motivation that you felt the night before or the few days before when you had either just started or before you even got on the journey, please remind yourself that it is not that you're an unmotivated or lazy person. It is just that your mind is trying to protect you and prevent you from going down a path that expends more energy because forming habits is a process that takes up energy. Like it literally burns calories, more calories than it would than if you were doing something that you habitually do on a day-to-day basis. So you, you know, so most of us brush our teeth two to three times a day and we wash our hands after going to the bathroom. Like those are processes that are hardwired into us that don't require effort because they're just autopilot, right? But when we're starting a new goal, like we're going to the gym early in the morning or we're running in the morning or we are trying to meditate early in the morning, whatever it looks like for you, it's a process that now, okay, your brain says, okay, well now I have to remember to do the thing. And now I have to get out my book and pen in the morning to journal, or I have to get dressed, or it's going to be cold outside. You know, like your brain will automatically go into overdrive thinking about all the bad possible outcomes that this new thing could take. When we accept this idea, it gets much easier to work with our brain, right? So understanding that 
what we need to hone in on is not finding ways to be more motivated, which is a part of the process, right? Like you can pop on a motivational speech or play some hard J. Cole. That's whatever I do when I'm trying to get myself hyped up for the gym. I love J. Cole. Any J. Cole fans out there, leave me a comment. I'm right there with you. Um, But, you know, that is all supplementary to fuel what you really need to be focusing on, which is making discipline a habit. So let's talk a little bit more about why motivation is transient and the things that cause it to be only a transient state of emotion. So if any of you guys are psychology students out here or maybe personal trainers, I am currently off topic, but I am currently studying to get my personal training certification here at school and super excited about it. But it's been really cool because it applies a lot of behavioral change theories and applications, which is honestly like one of my favorite things about the process because it's it's what I strive to do with this podcast and my online platforms is to inspire change at the behavioral, personal, spiritual level, right? But anyway, off topic, just throwing that out there as a little life update. But if any of you guys are personal trainers out here or psychologists or sociologists, or if you've ever heard about this concept called the self-determination theory is you'll understand a little bit about why motivation is sometimes really hard to find. And self-determination theory essentially looks at where we get our motivation from. So it's a big continuum, but essentially there's three main stages. So there's a motivation, which is when we are not all motivated, when we are setting out to do a goal. So a motivation is I have no desire to change, essentially, right? Later down on the continuum, we've got extrinsic motivation. And extrinsic motivation says, I am motivated because of an external reward that I know I'm going to get once I achieve this goal. So it can be money, it can be um, some incentive that your employer gave you, it can be you know, some trophy that you might get, whatever that looks like, right? It is an external thing that is going to be rewarded to you when and if you achieve this thing. And then we've got intrinsic motivation, which is that the drive to change and to achieve a certain goal comes from within. You don't, like, it is completely for you because you know that it is going to make you better and it's going to make you feel good, right? So the thing about intrinsic motivation though is that people set out to do goals with the conception that they are going to become intrinsically motivated right like when they set up to do a goal say you are trying to I'll, I'll use this example because I'm a runner so say you decide that you want to start running three days a week and you have absolutely no experience in running you might not even like it that much but you just you set out because you either need to improve your cardiovascular fitness or you just you want to get into running, you know, whatever the reason is. Initially, the incentive is I just want to get this run over with because I'm going to feel just so much better with myself after and I'm not going to feel guilty about it, right? Some would argue that that is an intrinsic way of thinking, but really it's extrinsic because 
you know that afterwards you're going to be rewarded with the feeling of no guilt because you didn't skip your run kind of thing. I would argue that that is very extrinsic. But the thing is, you know, you can't just force yourself to become intrinsically motivated and you cannot expect intrinsic motivation. Like, there's no timeline on intrinsic motivation. You're not going to run for a week and then automatically realize that, oh my gosh, like, this is what was meant for me and this is going to make me better. You might, but it isn't going to shift your, your mindset right away. So it's important to not set out with the dream of achieving a goal with the intent on just simply becoming intrinsically motivated. It's important, but, you know, sometimes the harder you try, the less you accomplish, and this is one of those instances. So the self-determination theory recognizes that there are different types of motivation and there are certain influences that impact where we get that motivation and a big aspect of these external influences that impact our motivation are our three core psychological needs and what these are are autonomy relatedness and competence and when we're, these needs are not met we cannot expect to find motivation so autonomy refers to the fact that we like to feel that we have control over what we're doing and that we have a choice over what we do. Relatedness refers to our ability to relate to the people around us and to feel like we are in a community and that we associate ourselves with the people that we are surrounding ourselves with. The third one, competence, refers to the fact that we like to feel that we are able to do and that we have the, the skills to perform what we are about to do. When none of these are met, we are not motivated or it's going to be really hard for us to find that motivation. So why do I want to preface this conversation to the idea that discipline is the habit that we need to be focusing on? Because more often than not, when we set out to do a goal, it's usually something that we are relatively new at. And as such, how do we expect the competence part of it to be fulfilled? And, you know, as this theory talks about, when one of those needs is, when even one of those needs isn't remotely fulfilled, the other two pretty much go down the drain, right? So you can't expect to find the motivation you need to get you out of bed and doing your run in the previous example that I was talking about. So, I want to use this second mindset shift to lead into my third one, but what I will say before I transition into the third one, which is kind of the solution to the second one here, is that if you want to ensure, uh, and I'll use motivation for the sake of this topic to simplify it, but if you want to ensure that you are always at least somewhat driven or motivated to do the goal that you are setting out to do, you should align your goals and your passions that you are currently seeking out to do and align what those things bring that allow you to change what you want to change within yourself to make the process easier for you to see as something that you are willing to do every single day. What do I mean by this? So 
I'll use the example of running again because I am a runner myself and it's something that has become relatively habitual for me. It's been, I would say it's quite habitual, but over the last couple of months I had an injury and getting back into it, you know, you'd think that after years of doing it, it would just be like instinctive. I'd be super ambitious to get my runners on and get out the door, but it's that's not always the case, right? Again, motivation is transient because as soon as your brain remembers that it doesn't like feeling like it doesn't have the air to breathe and you know all this stuff your mind says "Uh uh-uh let's not let's do something easier in my case i am someone who believes in endurance from a emotional and mental perspective i think that the more you train yourself to endure difficult situations, and by endure, I mean constantly and consistently improving how you respond to situations around you, how you look at the things that happen to you, and how do you turn them into lessons that are working for you and not against you, and anything under that realm of resilience, I guess is the better word to, to use here, Over time, the more you can handle the things that life throws at you with more ease, right? And that's in certain situations. So why do I bring up the example of running? So I'm going to use a metaphor here. Running, how I've learned and taught myself to look at the sport is as a way to... You know, I take the concept of building that aerobic endurance as a way of also building emotional and mental endurance. So when you go for a run or when you're training to be a runner, you have to do a variety of different kinds of runs in order to get better at enduring longer distances and improving your pace and decreasing your time for certain runs. It's a whole process, right? So you have to do speed runs. You have to do longer runs, you have to do tempo runs, you have to do fart licks, you've, and you've got to do your recovery runs as well. So what these runs teach you to do is how to respond to the ever and consistently changing needs of the runs that you go on so that you can achieve your goal, right? So when you're running, you're going to hit hills, you're going to hit curves, you're going to hit stoplights, you're going to run in bad weather, you're going to run in good weather, you're going to run under bad wind conditions, you know, all all the beautiful things that come with running, right? And if you go on more runs and the adequate runs that allow you to learn how to adjust to those demands, the better runner you're going to be, right? And of course, with running, comes especially with longer runs comes the you know the pain of your feeling your lungs giving oh and your legs are cramping up and you're you're going up hills and you can and your legs hurt and you're feeling yourself burn out but once you overcome it you know for me every single time I hit a really steep hill and I know I'm under a time constraint because I've told myself you know I'm gonna run this 10k in under 48 47 minutes today so I need to be smart here and make it up this run and be smart about how I approach this hill so that I can keep running efficiently. Every time I I hit hills, I tell myself, who's going to win? You know, you are the hill. 
Anyway, not to extend this metaphor any further, but my point is that because I have aligned my goal to become more a, a better runner, because it's my favorite sport, with my desire to be a, the best version of myself that I can possibly be, and by part of that is being able to endure efficiently the, the, the demands that life throws at me, running has become a process that I have married to this mindset to make it easier for me to get up even and go for a run even on the days when I don't want to, right? And I guess you could argue that that is motivation, but why I like to see it as discipline is that there are many times where I don't feel motivated in the mornings to go on that run and my brain is screaming and begging for me to just get back into bed because it's cold now, especially that we're in October here on Vancouver Island and it's windy and it's rainy, but motivation says yay let's do this it's gonna feel so good you know discipline says you know that if you don't do this you are impacting your own growth and your own accountability within yourself so you better get out of bed and put your runners on right discipline says you may not be motivated right now, but you know what's good for you. When we can look at it from this perspective and not see ourselves as inherently lazy people, but as people who are, you know, we just want the comfort of what's familiar to us. I think it's easier to forgive ourselves a little bit and to really work with ourselves in taking on new challenges, which I think leads perfectly into the third mindset shift that I want to talk to you guys about today, which is to achieve big goals you have to overcome little steps first. Microhabiting is your best friend. So if you follow me on Instagram, on at Mariana's Perspective, you saw this post, you hopefully saw me make a post about that this week, about what microhabits are and why they are so beneficial in the goal setting process. So raise your hand if you have set a big goal in the past and you know, maybe it's something that is super far out of your comfort zone and maybe you haven't traced out the steps that it actually is going to take for you to get to that goal. And so you're sitting there and mentally you're like looking up <laughs> a goal and a journey, the height and the length of like Mount Kilimanjaro. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to reach the top. And then very soon after setting the goal, you back out, raise your hand. It doesn't feel good, does it, right? Especially looking back on those goals that you've set and not accomplished or maybe it's taken you super long to get to them. It doesn't feel good, right? Because after a long time and repeated attempts at accomplishing a goal and not doing it because you have backed out of it, the psychological and emotional implications that this has on us are more profound than we can imagine. Think about how much this impacts your accountability with yourself, your self-esteem, and your confidence in taking on future challenges. You're not going to feel so good going into them, and you're even, how many of you have been presented with an opportunity or been tempted to start another goal and immediately said to ourselves, you know, odds are I won't even accomplish this, or odds are I won't even do this because I didn't finish the last one or because I'm not capable of it. That is so damaging to 
our persona. And as such, we need to understand how to break the process of goal setting and the journey towards that goal easier for us. And I really want to emphasize, and the point that I really want to drive across here is that microhabiting and setting easier steps does not make you a weak person and it does not mean that you are taking the easy way out it is if anything making you work smarter not harder so that you can better achieve that goal and enjoy the process as you work towards it so the way i want you to think about microhabiting is i want you to look at your at your brain as a little child whose hand you're holding here this child is really scared and really doesn't want to do what you have in store for it to do, right? It's like screaming at you. It's asking you no. It is like trying to direct you in the other completely opposite direction. It wants everything but to do the thing that you want to assign it to do. So you have to take it by the hand and slowly introduce it to the benefits of the change that you want to create. So this is what microhabiting does for you. It breaks down Mount Kilimanjaro into tiny little, into a staircase with tiny little steps that are far easier to climb up versus doing the entire mountain all at once, right? Because not only that, when you have a goal that you haven't broken down into little steps, the amount of pressure that you place on yourself to accomplish this huge thing that it might be really outside your comfort zone all at once, again, adds to the amount of begging that your brain is going to nag you with to not do the thing but it's also going to cause you to underperform because you're going to be way more focused on the fear of failing than on the feeling of accomplishing the thing or focusing on the journey and how it's going to make you grow so micro happening is breaking down this goal into small and tangible and accessible and easy to do steps that aren't that far out of your comfort zone so that you can start habituating your brain to small bouts of discomfort. That's how I like to look at it. So say you are not a runner. You don't run at all. I'm going to keep using this example. You've never run at all, but you want to get into running. It's a really, you know, like if you think about, if you even dare, like get up the next morning at six o'clock in the morning, get ready, put your runners on and then go run for like even a kilometer if it's the first time you're running. Like it seems like not the hardest thing to do the night before, but as soon as you get up, I can guarantee you that most people are going to run into the screaming child saying, no, please don't go, just get back into bed. So what you do is you start slowly building in these steps for your mind to kind of approach and then see, okay, you know, I got over this hurdle so we can maybe do the next one. So day one of running, your only goal might be to wake up at 6 a.m., get your runners on and just go outside for 30 seconds, breathe in some fresh air, start getting accustomed to what it's like to get up at six, put your runners on and just go outside, you know? And in that time, if you think about how much you're learning in that one step, you know, you're learning how you best wake up. You know, you might best wake up with a glass of water or you might 
you know, it might get you going faster if you already have your clothes out from the night before, right? You start getting used to the weather. Okay, like what temperature is it in the morning, you know? So each step, you're already learning a little bit, which is going to help you move on to the next step, right? So maybe the next step after just getting on and going outside is, okay, I'm going to go outside and walk to the end of my street kind of thing, right? Think about how much you're learning in, th- in that step, right? You're learning, okay, my street is quite narrow or it's quite bumpy, so I need to make sure that when I start running, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm stable and maybe I'm doing ankle strengthening exercises, you know, whatever that looks like for you. To so many people, the concept of microhabiting adds such a negative connotation to the goal setting process because it feels like you're taking baby steps. And I guess in some ways that's what it is, right? But if you think about how much easier it's going to make it for you to get to this goal and how much better it is going to teach your brain to get uncomfortable in small bouts. My gosh, the transfer effect of building this one habit and this discipline into other challenges that you take on in your life is is like is so profound. It is it is fundamental and and far smarter to accomplishing what you want to accomplish and to feeling fulfilled from it, right? Not only that, but according to James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, microhabiting and having these more effective stepwise roadmaps helps you embrace the long processes that it really takes to create meaningful change in your life. If you think about the things that you have accomplished in the past and the person that you are now, it took you several attempts to achieve some of these things and several tries before you maybe found a routine that worked for you or a philosophy that you live by or whatever that looks like for you, right? If you think about the really meaningful, profound changes that that have made you into the person that you are today, how many of those things took repeated bouts of effort and adaptation and grit and going through the discomfort. As an aside, microhabiting is a roadmap that allows you to be more flexible because like I said, in individual steps, you are gaining, you are taking in the scenery, you're getting a feel for what the process is. You can start adapting steps if you maybe feel like a certain one is too easy. You might say, okay, maybe I'll skip two. And instead of just walking to the end of my street, maybe I will walk around the block instead of just going outside for 30 seconds. Or maybe I'll jog to the end of my street, you know? Or if you notice that your street is too bumpy, you might say, okay, maybe I'll just walk around my backyard or around the trail that's behind their backyard kind of thing, right? Like you are getting a feel for the road and no pun intended, but, and really allowing yourself to adapt the roadmap and the journey to what's best for you. And as another aside, <laughs> microhabiting is smarter because it is causing less expenditure on your brain. I touched upon this in the last point, but, you know, setting new habits literally burns more calories because your brain now has to make the conscious effort of remembering, you know, to do this on a certain day or it's got to get used to this new process, all the good stuff that comes with setting a new habit, right? So by doing this, you are causing less energy expenditure over an extended period of time, which eventually, you know, becomes greater, becomes greater as the steps get 
bigger and harder and stuff. And as such, you are training your brain to become a little bit more comfortable with the, d- the discomfort, but also think about the emotional and personal change that it's having on you as you go through these steps, right? Because even when you overcome one, one step that may not feel that hard to you, think about how good it feels to overcome that one step and how much accountability you are building with yourself to overcome the next one. So microhabiting isn't weak and it doesn't make you dumb or it doesn't mean that you just need smaller steps like because change you can't expect to introduce change all at once if you can teach yourself to embrace the long hard-fought process that it really takes to create meaningful change in your life and within yourself you're pretty much set for life in my opinion because that's what life is right it's enduring learning how to adapt to your ever-changing situation and demands and embracing those changes and watching your own growth through the process, right? Because that's another thing tied into what I was mentioning about discipline earlier, right? When you are disciplined enough to recognize that subjecting yourself to consistent discomfort, it's what's going to make you grow as a human being and into the better version of yourself, that is what will get you up in the the mornings without fail, right? It's the you may not want to, but you recognize that this isn't who you want to be and that you know that you are capable of better and as such, sometimes getting up is the best part. But I say that with a grain of salt because at the same time, you want to listen to your body. If it doesn't want to run on Sundays because it's tired or because it's sore, listen to it. (laughs) And you will know when that is. But Discipline is the muscle that we all need to be working to build versus seeking motivation from quotes, from other people, from motivational speeches. You know, that is supplementary to the real habit that we are trying to form here, which is discipline in creating a better version of ourselves. The fourth mindset shift that I want to touch on today to hopefully make you a more successful and happier person is integrity is a feeling. Big shift away from the last year that we've been talking about, but this is another concept that I've been really obsessing over the last couple of weeks after really doing a deep dive into what integrity is at its core and why it is so important, but also why it's so hard to be authentic to ourselves when we are constantly and consistently in environments that tell us that we should do otherwise. So why I say this is because when you are living in integrity, you feel it at a deep emotional and spiritual level versus when you act out of appeasing the people around you you get further from yourself and you can also feel that at a very deep emotional and spiritual level. So when people talk to us about authenticity and living in the person that we are and the person that we want to be rooted in our goals and our own standards, it's much more than 
saying, I value trust and therefore I'm going to be a trustworthy person to all and I'm going to search for trust in my relationships, right? It is, I believe in trust, but why? And establishing your own reason as to why you value that trust. And as Glennon Doyle says so elegantly in her books, establishing why that is your beautiful truth and how you want to establish trust in the people around you, but also people's trust within yourself. So authenticity, like goal setting, if we're really tying all our ideas together here, is like setting a habit or like setting a goal, right? It is defining your whys to like a microscopic level so that you know that it's meaningful to you. Justin Baldoni, who is the author of uh, Man Enough and also one of the co-hosts of the Man Enough podcast, says, you know, if your cause has only one why, it's not strong enough. You need to have at least two or three whys and even more than that if you can so that you know that it really is meaningful and true to your heart and true to who you are and true to what you want to do and the kind of influence that you want to have on this earth, right? So integrity isn't just saying, I have a set of values that I uphold every single day, right? It is saying, I have a set of values that I've created for myself and I believe that each and every single one of these is important because of this and here is how I am creating my reality around these values so that I can live the life that I want for myself and I'm painting it from a completely blank canvas and making it how I want because of XYZ reasons that are important to me and that are true and beautiful to me. So why I say integrity is a feeling is because when you are living the life that you have have and currently are painting for yourself from a blank canvas be in a way that is true to who you are and what you want, you feel at peace. You are at peace with the knowledge that you are comfortable and happy with the art that you're creating. If we're going to continue with the canvas metaphor, you are happy with the art that you're creating because it's true to you. And even if people don't see it from your perspective, you're okay with that because you embrace it as your own. My roommate and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about how she was saying that sometimes it's really scary to her that others don't see the world the way that she does. She was like, you know, I want to make people see how I see blue because I experience blue a certain way. I feel it a certain way. I see the color a certain way. It makes me think of certain things. And it's just, it's a very unique feeling to me. And it scares me sometimes that I enjoy that so much and some other people might not get to. And I looked at her and I told her, but that's what makes our friendship so cool and beautiful is that I don't see blue the way that you do, but through your eyes and through your words and through our relationship, I can at least get close 
And the other thing about the fact that integrity is a feeling is that when you're living in integrity and you are bringing your perspective and your values and your beliefs and your philosophies to the table, whether it's with a partner, whether it's with family, whether it's with friends, and you are grounded in the knowledge and the confidence that you have within yourself, not because you think that your ideas or your perspectives or your beliefs or values are better than others, but because you know that it is that they are something that can add value and richness to other people's lives, you are happy with whether or not they end up seeing it your way at the end of your interaction. And I'm not saying that that is the goal of integrity, to getting to see people, getting getting people to see things the way that we do, but it is living with your perspective, being willing to change it as well, of course, but embracing it as your own and accepting that people might not always see it the way that you do and being completely okay with that. The fifth and final mindset shift that you need in your life to become more successful is you are responsible for your healing. Again, another one that is quite far from the previous ones that we've been talking about so far today, but one that I think is a concept that few people want to hear, but is so important because we often forget that we have, we're, we are the only people who guarantee have our own back, no matter what happens to us in this life. And as such, when we can accept that nothing and no one is coming to save us except ourselves, we can embrace the journey towards healing much more. Pain is an inherent part of life. I say this a lot on here. And it's seldom ever in our control the influence that people have on us, right? And the things that they do to us and the the kinds of prints that they leave on, leave on our lives. But when someone walks into your life and leaves a mark or a scar that impacts you later down the road, negatively or positively, you have to be the one to choose how you add beauty to that scar. And again, I also do not mean to say that from a toxic positivity mindset. It is extremely difficult to find the beauty in certain situations that happen to us. I don't know what those experiences are to you, but when we can learn to not see those experiences as a part of who we are and as things that define us, but as things that were put into our lives to set the tone for our experience here on this earth and to teach us something about how to be human and what it means to be human and what it means to endure as human beings, the more peace we can find in the things that life subjects us to, I think. And I also say that from, I want to acknowledge that I say that from 
my own privileged perspective because there are things that I have not been through that many men and women and children have been through. But as such, there have been experiences of my own that I don't think that some men, women, and children have gone through. And that is how I am choosing to look at the healing process. And I think that it has helped me because it allows me to remember that if I look at this process from a lens of I'm going to go look for the antidote or the person or the book that is going to save me, you know, if I go into every interaction, every bookstore, every TED talk, every podcast with that mindset, I'm going to be really disappointed because there isn't one formula that is going to heal me from my pain, right? What's going to save me is applying the things that I've learned in this life from those podcasts, from those books, from those people, from those interactions. If I were to put my faith on a certain person to take my pain away while neglecting the fact that they also have pain of their own, I'm also going to be disappointed. And if I put my faith on the people that hurt me to do the healing for me when A, hurt people hurt people, which means the people that hurt me also have hurt of their own to deal with, and the way that they perceive how they hurt me in their eyes might be justified or they will not see, they might never see the pain that it inflicted on me. If I neglect that and expect them to do the healing for me or to pick up the broken pieces and put them back together, I'm also going to be very disappointed. And I'm not saying that you don't have a right to express your pain to the people that hurt you because you do. You're allowed to expect more from people who hurt you if you voice your concern so that you can ensure that doesn't happen again in the future, you know? So if your partner said something to you that didn't fly with you and might have hurt you, you're allowed to voice out to, to them and come up with ways together so that it doesn't happen in the past and so that both of you can walk out happy and further grounded in each other's boundaries and values. But there's a difference between setting that boundary and making sure that you're both on the same page about the change that needs to happen from both of you so that it doesn't happen again in this particular example. There's a difference between that and expecting the other person to pick up those pieces completely and do the work because in the example of that we were just talking about here, you may have internalized, you, you are the one that is responsible for how you perceive that comment and whether or not you internalize it because you have, it's very hard. I say this with a grain of salt because it's a process that takes time to build, but you have a choice as to how you respond to the things that people say about you. If you are an deeply grounded enough in the person that you are and the person that you know yourself to be. People can throw sticks and stones at you and they might have absolutely no effect, right? They they might, but in the moment, but if you can go back later and say, well, I know that I am X, Y, Z of a person, does it really matter what they said? You know, again, there is no shame in being hurt at the way that people might perceive you. 
because we are also wired to seek validation from others, but you have that choice. And if you choose to internalize the things that people say about you, to you, behind your back, about you, whatever it is, you are contributing to your own pain. And as such, going back to the integrity idea, you need to build your own beautiful truth about who you are and what's important to you in this life. And when you can accept that you are the person that is responsible for that and for setting the tone of how you want the rest of your life to look and how you want your relationship with yourself to look, you will feel more in control of your ability to overcome the adversities that come your way, but also your relationship with yourself and your ability to look at yourself as not something or someone that needs fixing, but as someone who is going through the ups and downs and the highs and lows that life intended for you and you are discovering them and you're discovering them what they are for what they're meant to teach you and for what they are meant to help you discover within yourself. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of A Perspective, you guys. That was an absolute joy to record and once again, I miss it so much and I thank all of you for tuning in and for engaging and for being here. Really, I feel so privileged to get to talk to you guys behind this mic and share some insights with you. It's it's really, really awesome. Um, so if you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to leave a like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening in from. Uh, shoot me a DM or an email on Instagram at aperspective.bymjpodcast or like I said, you can email me it's perspectivebymj at gmail.com if you have suggestions for future topics or if you want to be a guest on the podcast i'd love to talk to you so shoot me a message on there looking forward to hearing from you guys and looking forward to seeing you on the next episode have a great rest of your day